You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hello, welcome to Sound of Sanity. My friends, it's the moment that you've been waiting for. Free tickets to Six Flags. Nathan, you shouldn't have. I was happy to, Ben. It was this, my, my pride and my joy. It really was the moment I've been waiting for. It is fun to speculate sometimes on where things come from. Ben had to come up with, quickly come up with a comedic premise. And why for, was it Six Flags? Yeah, yeah. Like, where did Six Flags? Like, yeah, I had to come up with something that would make people laugh, and instead I came up with that. No, 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 Ben, I... <laughs> I'm not criticizing the comedy. No, I, 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 I think just... you're a very funny guy, right up there with me, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Cool. But I'm a process guy. I like talking process. I like thinking yeah. process. Why Six Flags? It's a good question. It's a good question. I mean, yeah. I guess, what, what were your choices? Disney World would have been too exaggerated. Yeah. Cedar Point, nobody's heard of. Holiday right. World is more local. Six Flags really was. You didn't have to go theme park, though. It could have been the release of a new movie. <sighs> it could have been... I have dreams about like water slides on a regular basis, Jake. Yeah, it's because it's because it bends. The Six theme. Flags doesn't have water, whatever roller coasters too. So, oh yeah, that explains it. Right, <laughs> I think that explains everything. Well, and speaking of roller coasters and explanations, I'm going to take us on a roller coaster ride of explanations for what this <laughs> podcast is going <laughs> to be. So you can say that, <laughs> and you did. I'm glad I fulfilled that. It was almost Six Flags. It was almost level. as good. We don't have six flags, folks, but we have three gentlemen. My name is Nathan. I'm your humble and obedient host. We've got Ben right there, the preacher who's a teacher of righteousness. There you go. And Ben, we've abandoned this trope lately for whatever reason, but I think you should introduce the third, not flag, but human being. <laughs> we, <laughs> love, we love flags here on this podcast. We do. But, but not as much as human beings, especially n- not this one. Nope. This is <laughs> Pastor Jake Man. <laughs> Mental. The... the Pastor who's a master of sanity. He is the pastor who's a master of sanity. Okay, folks, you may remember from an episode or two ago, we taught we did October in 1984, a user-generated, Patreon, patron-generated episode where people that subscribe to our Patreon and therefore have access to our Discord sent us articles and things that they wanted to talk to us. Most of those things were kind of cultural, political things because that's what we were talking about. We, we have another thread in our Patreon that are uh, in our Discord that people can submit things to that they want us to talk about. And that is October in the American church. And of course- be this month in the uh, yeah, American th- church. This month, yeah. <laughs> so it's October. It's October, so that's what it says. But in November, there'll be one that says November. In December, well- you can figure it out. Maybe you can do the math. I don't know. But we are going to talk about the things that are going on in the American church that our patrons thought was, were, were worth us talking about. And we're going to start with a wonderful Gospel Coalition article, Four Leadership Lessons from the Life oh. of Queen Elizabeth II. Thanks, guys. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm talking to the Gospel Coalition, of course. <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, thanks, patrons. Wise <laughs> leaders... Exercise restraint. I'm just going to give us these rules because oh, we might want to, mm. you know, if we want to be like Queen Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. Yep. Influence and example are more enduring than power. Mm. Oh. Oh, power comes in handy sometimes. Like being the queen. Like be, yeah. 
Yeah, if you want to be queen, a queen, so potent that the Gospel Coalition can take this opportunity to make some money off of her, off of her death. Well, Jake, I don't think I you're taking this article very seriously. Jake. I wonder what you'd say about mm. this third one: hard work and humility earn respect. And that would be why they don't have any of mine. Yep, this article took very little hard work to generate these three things, and uh, in a, in a surprising lack of shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, number four. Bonds of affection deepen over time. Man, is he, I feel like he should write a novel because a lot of these themes you could really develop over the course of a novel. Is that right? Ben? That's right. Yeah. That's what I think. Were you taking that somewhere? <laughs> no, I just, I, just, a, a I don't novel, think he missed his calling, that's all. People <laughs> have bonds of affection and then those bonds of affection deepen over, over time. time. <laughs> Sounds like a real page turner. <laughs> well, Nathan, see, you had illustrated over... Over those pages. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I, I get it. It'd be like once upon a time, there was Nathan, there was Jake, there was Ben. They did podcasts. They had affection. Those, <laughs> those bonds, bonds Nathan, were strengthened. I, I don't know if you know time. this. I, I wrote this in my four points about novels article. Yeah. But <laughs> plots of novels develop over time. Wait, what? what? <laughs> you might not understand that. I thought plots of novels were more like this article where you write some crap on a napkin. It takes you about three seconds. And then that's. That's the thing. And then you publish and you hope to make money. You put a picture of Queen Elizabeth when everybody wants to click on things because she's dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you get clicks yep. because you have a picture of Queen Elizabeth, the dead queen. I do want to. you've attached four platitudes to. Yep. Well, this line is, is priceless. And it is a line the Gospel Coalition themselves itself pulled out. So, quote, Above the clashes of politics, she stood not for what the nation fought over, but what it agreed upon. Quote, oh, good lesson for Christian leaders everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's been learning from the Apostle Paul. (laughs) Even apart from that, these people are so boring. Why would people listen to our podcast if it was just about stuff that they agreed with? That's not interesting. You don't learn anything from that. (laughs) <laughs> boo. I say boo to this trite, meaningless bit of poppertunism that you gentlemen may remember it was a portmanteau we came up with in the very early days of Sound of Sanity for this exact phenomenon. Oh, yeah. Where you take something that's going yep. on in culture or pop culture and you... Just waiting for the right time to drop it into the episode. Yep. Now is the time. Yeah. Poppertunism. <laughs> well, we've got another Gospel <clears throat> Coalition uh, oh, no. article. This one's called Women who foreshadow Christ. And you know, there's like, before you click, there's a little blurb that tells you what the article is going to be about. If we're willing to see that an inanimate object like the tabernacle foreshadows Jesus's ministry, surely we can see that women created in God's image do so as well. Oh, got me. Man, it's almost like, I don't know, someone who would write a sentence like that would, would be on the kind of site where someone else would write an article about the gospel being like a vending machine or whatever. Oh, but that would be a bridge too far. That would be. Let me let me give you three examples of how women prefigured Christ. So first we have Jail's smashing salvation. Mm. You remember Jail's? Yeah, she uh, does the tent peg thing. She crushed the serpent's head, is what they say. Ah, That's yeah. literally a sentence here. Ruth's steadfast love prefigures Jesus's steadfast love. <laughs> Boaz. No, no, no. Ruth's love to Naomi. I mean, I get. Boaz was a, a, a type of Christ, and Ruth was a type of the church. But here we're doing the opposite of that. Uh, yeah. We're, this time, uh, 
Oh, in fact, this guy even says, oh. when preaching through Ruth, pastors often point to Boaz's redeeming of Ruth as foreshadowing Christ's work. I've preached that too. But Idiot. Ruth, but Ruth <laughs> also foreshadows Jesus. Ruth clings to Naomi and says, do not urge me, do not leave me, but da 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 The Hebrew term translated clung in verse 14 is the same used in Genesis 2.24 for the union of the first man and woman. It suggests a close, unbreakable bond. God never abandoned Naomi. So I guess Christ never abandons us. Okay. This is bad typology. Not everything is a type you see. Esther's, you want to guess? Any guesses? Esther's bold. Mm. You just have to think of something that Jesus does, that Esther does. <laughs> I'm looking at the article, so I, I'm not going to risk. Cheat. Nope. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus well, <laughs> it's not beyond <laughs> the scope of what they might do. No, Jake, come on. Esther's bold me- mediation. Mediation. Oh, yeah. She goes into the king. The book of yeah. Esther doesn't name God explicitly. How can such a book foreshadow the Messiah? It does through its queen. Slow down. Oh, yeah, here we go. Okay, whatever. I don't even want to read anymore. We don't need to read. Anymore. Yep. All right. Next. This is an article that our friend Chris posted. Or no, it's a it's YouTube a video. video by Jonathan Kahn. Who yep, yep. is Jonathan Kahn's like a Jewish guy who became a Christian, and he he has quite a following, and he's one of those guys. Uh, he he says, oh, "I got a prophetic revelation about what's going to happen to America." Right. He writes novels and things like that. He, Your conservative he, Fox News loving. Yeah, uh, dispensationalist. He's he's uncle qu- is a huge fan of Jonathan yes, Kahn. Right. Yes, yes, yes. I have rel- relatives who like him a lot. He's eloquent in his way. He's does know the gospel, but he's also got all this. Hey, I had a prophecy. This is it's a shocking prophecy, and it's gonna blah blah blah. And then he's very popular and sells a lot of books. And anyway, well, in guys. this case, the thing that Chris has highlighted for us is his take on the demonic influence in the sexual revolution and abortion. Mm-hmm. Which Jonathan Kahn says there is one. Yes. Um, Jonathan Kahn, we agree with you. We agree 100%. Absolutely. And I would go so far as to say the demonic is a underdiscussed factor in life and you know. the goings on in the world today. Yeah. People don't yeah. talk about demons and the devil enough, including and, us. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, true. This is war. Yeah. It's really helpful to remember that there are factors outside of myself. If you're on the battlefield in the middle of the battle and you have fiery darts being fired at you, you can feel bad about yourself or you can say, hey, wait a minute, fiery darts are being fired at me. Maybe it's because I'm in the fight. Mm-hmm. That's actually a good thing. Yeah, I think, I think it's That's a good thing. That's to be expected. Yeah. And That's right. <clears throat> the fiery darts, of course, are going to target your areas of weakness and the chinks in your armor and your temptations to yeah. sin. Absolutely. You know, the more that you grow in leadership and the more good work that you are doing by faith to build God's kingdom, the more your weaknesses are going to be targeted. Right. And there's a reason why you work on character before you go into ministry and you work on shoring up weaknesses and you work on having people in place to help cover your back. And you, there's a reason the evangelical church skyrockets people beyond their character and they fall in horrible ways. Yeah. It's just all, you have to have wisdom and discretion and discernment about these things. Right. Which doesn't mean you need to go take a, a, some, whatchamacallit, peyote and, not peyote, uh, what, what do you take to see demons? Poly- Psil- psilocybin, LSD. We don't need to be interested Mushrooms. in the demonic. We don't need to understand the nuances of how mm-hmm. the demonic kingdom is organized. We don't need to read books about, you know, 
well, there's this head demon over here and this guy over here. That's not what we're talking about. But in an understanding that we have an adversary is biblical and we need to not forget about it. Next, cheer up. The world is ending. This is an article by the American conservative. Rod Dreher. Led by Rod Dreher. Mm -hmm. Talking about how Europe's losing power, literally. Yeah, I... Yeah, I thought this was, int- I mean, Rod Dreher is a good writer, and he's smart, interesting to read. I never did read The Benedict Option. I Actually, after reading this article, I was interested. He's not just a simple doom and gloom kind of guy. He's He talks about, if I remember right, it's been a little bit, what he talks about is, yeah, that's right. He talks about the need for the church to do discipleship. Like, that's what, that's what his deal is. It's like, well, when Christian leaders in countries that were going to collapse, like, <clears throat> for instance, in... Oh, sorry. Yeah, when Christian leaders in countries that were going to collapse, like in Slovakia, like there's a Catholic guy named Father Tomislav Kolakovic, who I don't know anything about except what I just read here, who was a Catholic priest in Slovakia, and he saw Soviet communism coming for the country, and he knew that he knew that they would go for the go for the church and try to kill it. So he prepared the Christians through discipleship and community to be ready and to train other guys. Mm-hmm. So they had this basically under, like all of them were captured and thrown in jail, but it didn't matter because they were all ready for that. And then as soon as they were free, they instantly started training other Christians. And it's, it made me want to read more about that history. And it just made me think, like, like Nathan said in a, another recent episode about the horrible state of our world, we're putting all our chips in the church and in community and in intentional discipleship. And so that's where Rod Dreher goes, and I thought, actually, that's pretty cool. It's interesting to have some historical examples that I didn't know about of that, like this Father Kolakovic, if that's how you pronounce his name. So that's this article. Sounds great. <laughs> I don't have a lot of crosstalk on that one, but mm. yeah, good, interesting. Next, we have a link to a podcast by our friend Chris. I'll just read what Chris says. He says he's listening to this podcast by Dr. James M. Tour. He's preaching through Genesis. Towards the end of the particular episode, he's talking about converting people. He says, it's okay to be pushy. The Bible tells us to be pushy. Then he quotes Matthew, where the master tells his servants to compel people to come to the wedding feast. And Chris says, I'm not sure I've ever heard this preached like that, that it's okay to compel people to Christ, to be pushy and converting people. I'm pretty introverted, so I absolutely recoil from that idea. Lord, show me what to do and then make me do it. What do you guys think about that as a... It just depends on what you mean. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah, yeah. It really does. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's people's hearts. And there's a famous quote, and I'm not going to get it right, but you hear it quoted all the time from all kinds of sources. And it's basically amounts to a, a man convinced against his will remains unconvinced still or something like that. Right? We have to go for people's hearts. So I, mm-hmm. I think it's good, especially if you are gifted this way, to have a certain kind of forcefulness about you because the, the gospel message is a, it's a proclamation, a proclamation, it's a message. And we're to be persuasive, we're to bring down false arguments, everything that sets itself up against God, we're to tear down those arguments. We're, mm-hmm. we're supposed to go after, but we have to go after people's hearts and after their wills, after their consciences. So I, I, I've not listened to the episode or the sermon or whatever it is that's being referenced here, but I think it's all in the, the devil's in the details of what that actually means. If what if all he means is instead of sort of passive, passively inviting people to accept Jesus, we, we're calling them to repentance mm-hmm. and faith and newness of life in Christ, then 
yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I, the only thing I would add is the moment when God began to give me the ability to actually share the gospel with anybody was for me personally, the moment where I gave up thinking about how to do it and just decided I was going to do it like I felt like doing it. I was just going to be myself, which sounds corny, but giving myself permission to not try to be the ideal anything. Yeah, the Mr. Perfect Preacher of Righteousness. Yeah, but just I'm Nathan. You know, I'm probably going to start with a joke or something. I'm probably going to say, mm-hmm. like, whatever makes me comfortable so I can just do it, then that's the thing I'm going to do. And it's, it's not that I'm going to give myself license to be stupid about it or license to sin and not, and not do it, I hope. But what I'm going to do is try to just, in a certain sense, take me out of the equation by not worrying about who I am, how I'm coming across. If you're doing it perfectly. If I'm doing it perfectly. just you're ticking the boxes of some standard that somebody has set up. Am I doing it with enough strength? Am I doing it with enough dignity? Am I doing it with enough persuasiveness? These are not, for me personally, maybe for some people they are, but for me, these are not helpful questions. These are questions that get me caught in a morass of self and neuroses and well, they're a, they they're, paralyze They're me. a helpful way to paralyze you. Make sure you never do anything, but also make sure you have plenty of tools to make yourself feel really bad about never doing anything. Right. Right. And so famous deal, Moody quote, I think it was Moody. I like his, my way of doing it's better than your way of not. Right. And that is worth whatever you want to say about Moody and his methods. That, that little thing is worth holding on to and keeping in your heart and in your mind that my way of bumbling forward into this is going to be better than my way of not. Right. And yeah. if I'm if I'm not because I'm afraid of doing it imperfectly, then buddy, you're never gonna. Right. It takes failure. It takes mistakes. It takes, and God can use all kinds of fumbling, bumbling, failures and weakness and any. Which of course doesn't mean you never prep or you never take any care about your what you're saying or your appearance or how you're coming across. It and, and it and it's not to say that you don't get done and say, well, man, was I was stupid. A, I got it done. I was a real coward. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope. God forgive me for being a coward. Help me to not be so much of a coward next time. And please use what little things I did or said here, full of betrayals as they may have been. Right. For good. Yeah. Well, and just having a cheerful expectation and faith in God that he can. Ben, you were talking to me privately about this at some point. We were talking about, uh, what's the name of the book by Spurgeon? The Soul soul Winners. The Soul Winner. Something for... yeah, it's it's, it's, soul, yeah. it's it's the soul winner. It's the kind of thing, I think it was mm, sermons or lectures he gave to his pastor's college yeah. students. But he just, man, I it was one of the most encouraging things I've read, well, I listened to it, listened to in a while, because he's he just insists on, you better expect God to use you. If you don't expect God to use you, what, what don't you think other people will kind of pick up on that? Like, don't you think that will influence the way that you even decide to do things or not? Right. You, you just you better have an expectation that God is going to use you and that should that should make you cheerful, it should make you readier to do the thing. It should it just it, but he just has this constant well, positive and, and emphasis. He, and he comes back to, "Oh, why would God use somebody that doesn't trust him to work?" Right. Like, why right. why would God use somebody who doesn't believe in the power of the gospel message that he's delivering? Are you serious? Well, yeah. and you think and so it's just like, "Hey, I don't know. This is the power of God for salvation. Spurgeon is always this way." And it's really great, but it's just like, here's an idea. God's good. God wants to save people. The whole reason we're not all either in glory or in hell right now is because God intends to save people. You're a Christian. He's put you across the path of these unbelievers. And so guess what? Odds are God means to use you to say something to them 
for mm-hmm. good. That's right. And so trust that, have faith, and then have an expectation that they're just going to that God's going to do something great with it. Yeah, and we need to have humility. Yeah. But what I've seen in my own life, time and again, is that my self abnegation, which to me feels so humble. Mm-hmm. Is is oftentimes just a lack of faith in God. Like I right. don't actually think God can use my bumbling because my bumbling is too stupid. Well, and if you can have an excuse not to work or take responsibility for someone else, you'll take it. I mean, I will. Yeah, I'm who who am I to? Well, you won't then. Right, exactly. Which is why I just need to be told, hey, Nathan, God can use your bumbling. Doesn't mean it's not bumbling. Doesn't mean you need to have a big head about it. But God can use you. So just be cheerfully confident, in, not in yourself, in Him. And go do what it occurs to you to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Next, we've got some something I think we could probably not hit too hard because we just hit it over three episodes, which is mm-hmm. some uh, IVF follow IVF stuff. Yeah. And this is our friend Anthony linked to an article that Wayne Grudem wrote for the Gospel Coalition. That's right. It, uh, Gospel Coalition released a couple, a couple of them at the same time, and they were typically. Well, I mean, one's one's by Matthew Lee Anderson and Andrew Walker, and that one is actually, I agree with, with every, I, I, it's good. Yeah. It's good. But Wayne Grudem's is terrible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just terrible. I didn't, I didn't know about these articles, so thanks a lot, Anthony. It's helpful. But uh, yeah, I mean, Wayne Grudem just isn't, he just, there's multiple ways in which he's not thinking about it, and he either... One, he doesn't understand from a theological perspective that we don't have the right to create human life in a lab. And two, he doesn't understand from an ethical perspective, or I should say even a technological perspective, the actual steps that we went through that I that happened in IVF, where little embryos can die and you've put them in a situation to be disposed of. He thinks that if you create only the number you intend to implant, you somehow avoided the problem of murdering your little babies, but you actually have not. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just nuts. It's just a, it's just shameful. I you mind if I read the one little the little blurb that that, that he exerted? So Matthew Anderson responded to this. Would give I'm, you a good sense of Grudem's arguments and how vapid they are. That's that's right. This is the this is the response to them, and it's a good response. It's 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 a nice blurb. So quote on Grudem's view, without any quote, clear moral teachings, unquote, we shouldn't rule out, quote, modern inventions simply because they didn't exist in biblical times, quote. So that's, that's Grudem. Don't rule out modern inventions. There's no clear moral teaching on IVF, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah, I'm continuing Matthew Lee Anderson here. Well, that's true. It, it also would allow for cryogenically preserving ourselves for, say, 800 years if we so decide. There is no negative command against it in Scripture, after all. And it would allow creating human life without any genetic material from existing individuals whatsoever. After all, the only negative commands are against conceiving children outside of marriage. There's no prohibition on conceiving children within marriage, though without help from anyone else. There's no prohibition on adding four more limbs to our bodies, or blending our DNA with a lion's, or turning ourselves into cyborgs. Modernity's awesome, baby. And the only limits are our imaginations and the explicit prohibitions within Scripture. End quote. Yeah. Totally, <laughs> That's totally true. It just says all that you you need to know about about Grudem, and 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 you can see Grudem has this problem uh, across the board where he just wants to retreat to scripture, and he does not believe in this thing called good and necessary consequence, yeah. mm. which is the very biblical idea that we can extrapolate things from scripture and from nature as God designed it. But he doesn't want to do that, and so he has problems with sexuality for. Uh, 
because of this sort of like retreat into scripture alone, folk kind of sola scriptura, and, mm-hmm. and you see it here, all kinds of ethical problems around IVF with the same kind of bury your head in the sand, refuse right. to make application, refuse to follow anything to its logical consequence. Right. Yeah. That's why many Christians don't, that, that same sort of logic is why many Christians don't oppose abortion at all because the Bible doesn't say anything. It doesn't actually say the word abortion. It says, thou shalt not murder, guys. But anyway, next we had, oh, we had a fun prenups. exchange about prenups. Yes. Sort of uh, <laughs> gave my answer. You gave your sermon. I gave my sermon against prenups in the- uh, Go ahead and give it, baby. It's good. It was really good. <laughs> well, okay. So to set it up, Chris, our good friend, Chris, who's given us lots of content. Thank you, Chris. Asked about a friend who's got kind of red pilling and- <laughs> saying that you need a prenup and sent Chris a link about. Yeah. The connection with red pilling is just like women these days suck. And so you got to cover your own butt. Mm -hmm. And so prenup it and whatever, and keep her on the ropes and whatever. And then that'll in fact keep her attached to you anyway. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which is dumb. What I wrote was, is the, is the follow is as follows. I will quote myself. Marriage is not a mutually beneficial social contract. It is the God-ordained unification of two into one. It is the creation of something new. It is the creation of something whole. We are to be utterly committed to this fact. I would no more sign a prenup than I would put a clause in adoption papers saying I can always send the kid back to the orphanage if things don't work out. I'm glad God doesn't treat our adoption like that. I'm glad Christ doesn't treat his bride, the church, like that. My husband's status is complete and irrevocable, just as my father's status is. The fact that terrible things sometimes happen does nothing to lessen the entirety of these commitments. Your friend is a fool who understands nothing about marriage. Not only should he not marry this woman, he should marry no woman until his understanding is better, and he should stop listening to the utterly fatuous, weak, insecure, small-minded, ridiculously self-protective red pill movement if this is what they're teaching him. What utterly small and selfish men. So I guess I got a little hot under the collar about that one. (laughs) The reason is, not only is it evil, but it's so unromantic. The Chesterton quote, he says, there's only two things in life that are irrevocable. One of them is marriage. The other one's sending a letter. I guess for us, it would be an email. Once you send that email... Well, or a text. Or a text. Press like, the undo button real quick right, in yeah. the two seconds Google gives you. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> they're, they're romantic precisely. It's like, what a dry, boring, arid, small, lame, crippled, pathetic little world, these red pill guys. What a misogynist world where no woman can ultimately be trusted, so I just have to protect myself. <laughs> I'm just a little crippled thing trying to make its way in the world. <laughs> so like, guys. That was my favorite Red Bill criticism ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's what these guys are. They are so, so small. I mean, they're so pathetic. It is sad because a lot of the reason that they're like this often is because they have deep-seated daddy issues and trauma and things like this. But it's like, here's an idea. If you want to actually be a man, be a man. Do something irrevocable. Put all your chips on a person. Take a risk. Take a risk. And if you're such a manly red pill man, I don't know why your wife would want to leave you anyway. I mean, for goodness sake. Isn't isn't that your whole argument? (laughs) Or a lot of it? I mean, this is... 
I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I don't need a prenup because my wife's not leaving me, baby. Like, man up. Hashtag man up, man. It's just, uh. A prenup's just a signal that divorce is an option. Yeah, divorce is not an option. That's right. I always tell the story of Pastor Bailey who preached our wedding sermon, me and Meredith's. He preached a divorce is not an option sermon. It was a kind of a hardcore divorce is not an option sermon. And me and Meredith were just like, just like, what? Why did he preach this? What? Like, we don't care. We're not going to divorce. Within a month, we were so thankful for that sermon. Within a month, we were like, oh, thank goodness we're not. Thank goodness we always have this touchstone in our lives of, I don't know how he knew that was what we needed, because that's not not the sermon that he preaches for everybody. But we needed a, I don't divorce sermon. We just needed a, it's not an option sermon. You know why? Because marriage is hard. And if you think it's an option, then it's easy to want to take it. Now, I'm not saying my marriage is bad. But I think my marriage is pretty good by God's grace. I'm just saying that's marriage. It's a lot of work, especially early on. So prenup guys are total losers. Beneath contempt. The red pill movement is beneath contempt. That's my point of view on the whole thing. Is that it? I think yep, that's everything. That's it. Uh, anything else you guys want to say about the <laughs> state of the church in October 2022? <laughs> hey, if you guys want these episodes to be longer, sign up for... Our Discord, go to patreon.com for slash sound of sanity. Throw things in there that you want us to talk about. Yeah, I think this one's a little harder for us to self-generate because we're like, we can make fun of the Gospel Coalition all day, but we don't know which things about the Gospel Coalition you <laughs> want us to make fun of. Like, it's all fodder, and so that kind of means none of it's fodder, but maybe it's like, how many times should we talk about some stupid feminist thing on the Gospel Coalition? Or maybe a mm-hmm. lot, but we sort of need uh, you to be the judge of that, actually. And, and the way that you can do that is by going to patreon.com forward slash out of sanity, signing up for our Patreon, which will allow you to be part of our Discord, and you can drop things in there. You drop it in, and we need like a saying. You drop it in. We give it a spin. We give it a spin. That sounds bad. Yeah. (laughs) It's like we're taking it for a spin. Sure, yeah, that's fine. Let's drive this whole prenup thing around and (laughs) screen off of a cliff and explode. Yeah, so you drop it in. We take it for a spin. It's like when I was a dispatcher at a call center. We said, when in doubt, dispatch it out. And that got us in all kinds of trouble because people hate being called in the middle of the night. But you know what they hate even worse is not being called in the middle of the night when they should have. So there's your dispatching tip of the day. If anybody wants to talk dispatching with me, you can do that on Discord too. Patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. Be there, be square. Wow. I didn't do that on purpose. That came out weird. Uh, Yeah. Until next time. Stay sane.